All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. We're back on a Thursday, Tim. How are you doing? Sorry we missed Wednesday. Got a little hairy yesterday. Things got a little out of hand, but we're back making up for things on a Thursday. Tim's here. How you doing, my main man? <laughs> I'm good. John, you you just turned 40. Are you got like you get old age like pains yet? Aches and just like your shoulders hurt or your knees or things like that. Did that start happening? Well, I don't think it's due to age. I think it's due to wear and tear. But yeah, constantly shoulders and knees and back. Why yeah. are you starting to get those? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and it feels like someone kicked my ass while I was sleeping. And just like my back, especially. Like I work at home and I'm all hunched over. I'm trying to do stretches and stuff to work against it. But got to get a new chair. I, Is your chair too comfortable? It's very comfortable. I That's love your it. issue. You got to get my chair is almost like two boards at a 90 degree angle. <laughs> really? And so it forces you to sit up straight because I had one of those office chairs and I'm not in my office chair very often, a couple hours a day, but I had a comfy one. My back was shot. So I got, yeah, this is, this is lazy boy made. It's like really nice. And it's yeah, not maybe, good it for is, you. maybe, maybe you're right. Get yeah. a kitchen chair. I'm not even get a kitchen chair, throw it in there, put a pillow under your, your bum. You'll feel better. I'm I'm telling you the truth. It works for me. Cause then you're you're sitting up. You're you don't want to lean back because it's not comfortable. Yeah. That and kind of, the stand-up desk, they say works really well too. Yeah. Those are expensive though, right? Aren't they? They're pricey. They are. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was hanging around last night. Just got done doing some stuff. I can't remember what. But then I, I got a text from Scott King. Friend of the show. I think he was on the show, wasn't he? Yes and no. I don't know what that means, but um, it's, that's <laughs> he was there. Good. He was there for host said, but he wasn't talking. But I thought we interviewed him years ago. I don't know. We might like have. a Chicago guy, because who cares? He was a beat writer in Chicago when I was there. I think it was for the Tribune. Might have been for ESPN. He got axed. NBC. Fired. NBC. Close. He gets fired. And then he's kind of just floating out there. Like Tim alluded to, he's somehow linked with Marion Hossa. So we touched base. He's like, hey, we want to get Haas on your show. He's doing this big book promotion tour. By the way, everybody's writing books. Him, Volpati, 
we're just a part of this media circus everybody does, which ticks me off too, because they get us and then you find out after the fact, oh, you've done this and this already. Oh, what a waste. But Tim wants to do it. I always say no, but he still wants to do it. So anyways, all that aside, he sends out this, he sends me a message last night about Hugh Jackman talking about me. Because I guess this Scott King is a like a celebrity profiler now. I don't know how he rolls his sports acumen into the Hollywood sphere, but apparently, apparently they're very similar. So he's interviewing Hugh Jackman, and he's yes, he Hugh Jackman. Hey, I, I heard uh, that you almost played John Scott, and he was like, "Yeah, I did." And so I I told many many people this. Because I was all jacked up. Because Hugh Jackman is an excellent actor. I, I really like him. You know, respect him outside of the acting sphere. Just a good guy. He's had the same wife forever, which is rare in Hollywood. I respect that. He goes on and talks about me, Tim. Did you watch the whole interview? Because it was a great answer. One of the one of the few answers, I think, how do I word this? I've never heard someone give this answer about my story. And not that I search for it. But I've heard people talk about my story a lot. I was like, oh, the underdog, this and that. I I was blown away by his answer. What did you see it and what did you think of it? Yeah, I watched the clip that he shared. I don't think I watched the whole thing, but um yeah. What do you mean good. you don't think you did? You're giving very vague answers. It's either you did or you didn't. He was on the show or he wasn't. Did you or didn't you? <laughs> I might have. There's really it no was, way of it was last night. Like I, I sent it to you last night. It's either you did. Or you did. Tim's like a a lawyer where he doesn't give a distinct answer. I may have thought about watching it possibly. Yes. Uh, I did not watch the whole thing, but I did watch the clip. Thank you. Finally, an answer. About you. About you. And and it's cool because Scott asked him about you and he said, yeah, that was a great story. and It it almost happened. I wanted to play him. It didn't work out. And and he kind of said, was it, what about the role? Was it like the tough guy, the hockey angle? And he goes, no, it's something completely different. This is his answer, quote unquote. Not so much the tough guy. I liked who he was as a person. I like his commitment to his family and the underdog angle. And also the idea that he had been cast in a role and made a living in this role, but there was a dream underneath. Underneath that, there was a dream of being a great hockey player, not just an enforcer. And all of a sudden he got that moment. And then it's that age old question. Am I good enough to fulfill my dream? like poetry it's funny as i'm watching him say this i'm just like did i really think that (laughs) (laughs) or did i just collect a paycheck and just like punching guys in the face because i'm just sitting there like was i really that driven did i really have that you know intentions or did i care at all about being a superstar but i guess i did everybody wants to be the you know the goal scorer the (laughs) the best player on the team other than just the big you know goon that goes out and punches people in the face but it was kind of neat It was kind of, and then you look at it, it's like, man, Hugh Jackman's talking about me right now. Like, he's a legit, I don't know if he's A-list anymore, but he's a legit superstar. He's he's up in the, you got to give him top 20, like male actors up there, who's just like, okay, he's a box office, punch your ticket, he's going to make you some do-re-me. And he was almost going to play me. Frustrating. Well, and the cool thing was, was he didn't even get pitched the script, I don't think. I remember the story when it happened, like 2018, 2019, when that that Radio Lab interview came out about you, which is an NPR podcast, um, and he heard that, like, driving in his car, 
And then he like went out and talked to his agent about the movie rights and who if that was being made. So like it's not like he got pitched the story. He heard it. he's like, okay, this got to be a movie, and I want to play it. That's that's pretty cool. It is cool, but I I hate talking about me. But it is neat <laughs> yeah. when Hugh Jackman's kind of waxing poetically about you and saying how he liked you as a person and your family kind of stuff. So it was good. Thanks, did, Hugh. Did you show Danielle that you care about it? Nah, she doesn't care about that stuff. I didn't even show her. <laughs> you know what? I would show her and she'd be like, why are you showing me this garbage? She's like, you, your head's big enough as it is. Like, stop. <laughs> we don't yeah, need this. The, the sink is full of dishes. Go work on that. Yeah. The septic tank is still backed up. How's that working out? I'm like, I don't know. Every time I flush the toilet, I'm just like, <gasps> I did laundry last time. I was like, oh gosh, it's going to back up into the house. I'm hoping to get the spring. That's all I want. Cause I can, it's flooding my yard. But I live on a hill, so it's just draining down the hill. My woodpile smells like just poo because <laughs> I put tarps over it to block the rain and the snow. And I go and I lift up the tarp and I just get wafting of just sewage air. It's great. Living the dream. Nice. You know who is living the dream, Tim? Alex Ovechkin. 800 goals. Gets a hat trick. Versus the Chicago Blackhawks. None of them are empty netters, surprisingly. I thought all he did was score empty netters. Gets three. Up to 800. Very exciting. He's on a 53-goal pace this year. Who would have thought? Good for him. Me. Everyone but you. No, not everybody. I I, I don't think he's going to get 53. <laughs> I don't. He'll get 40. I think he gets 40, 35, 40. That's good. But then he's got to hit the wall at some point. He has to. There's no way he can sustain this. He's pretty much a one-man show on the Washington Capitals right now. Backstrom's playing all right. Kuznets up. Oh, she, yes, I get it, Mantha. They got some pieces. But Ovechkin is playing at a different level. What do, what do you think of this? Did I get any um, love or negative feedback or what happened? Because I know how calm people on social media are. Was it just a nice like, hey, you're wrong, John. Better luck next time. Well, it's funny. And I feel like I've said this a lot lately, but something on the ice happened. Something happened in the, in the games last night. Then I get all these messages in the morning or even the night of the minute it happened. And this is one of those times for sure. Ovechkin getting a hat trick after you just talked like a couple of days ago about him not breaking that record. And so, yeah, people are just, <laughs> they want you, they want you to admit that you're wrong and they want you to admit that he's going to get, it's basically uh two and a half seasons of, of, of average by his standards goal production. And he'll get there. Like he's, he's, he's a hundred away, less than a hundred away. And he's not slowing down. I don't know why you can think he wouldn't do it. And then, uh, and then, it, so it, a couple of other cool stats just about this whole thing. Do you? I don't. You probably wouldn't buy into it all. The era adjusted goals and stats production record, basically like looking at how they compared to other guys in their era. Because obviously, even Gretzky wouldn't get 250 points now, right? And 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 someone like McDavid would score more than 140 point force in the 80s, like just like that. Here's so, my issue with that whole thing: is it like you just mentioned? They're eras. People train differently. Right. People thought about hockey differently. If you would have said, Wayne Gretzky, we want you to train, think, eat, sleep hockey 24-7 in the summer, in the spring, in the fall, in the winter, he would have been a better hockey player. He put the bag away. So Gordie Howe, even worse. He he had a job in the summer. 
because he couldn't sustain, you know, hockey players didn't make a lot of money. So he would chuck it away and go and like work. So I, I don't like doing that. I, I get it. People are bigger and stronger and faster and the goaltenders are bigger and stronger and faster. Training's different. Equipment's different. Everybody's better. So I, I buy into that maybe a little bit, but I, you, you can't, you can't do it. Well, the point being that if you ever adjusted means it kind of equalizes all that out. And he's, if you buy into it, he's got the most gold already of all time based on era. Um, and he's going to do it. He's one goal from tying Gordie Howe with 801. He's going to do it. He's going to do it, John. And, and I keep giving you these opportunities. I'll give you another one now. Just, just admit that he's going to break the record. No, because he's, I don't think he, he's 94 goals away. Yep. 94. That's on his pace. It's two seasons. I don't think he maintains his pace. Yager slowed down. Gordie Howe slowed down. Brett Hall slowed down in his later years. Marcel Dion slowed down in his later years. It, it's bound to happen. Brett Hall went from scoring 57, 70, 86, 72. And he slowly regressed. So at 43, 42, 32, 24, finished with 25 goals in his last full season of 81 games. Maybe Ovi plays three, four seasons and he just needs 25 per season. That gets him to 900. <clears throat> That's possible. I don't know. I, I'm a pessimist. I look at life glass half empty. And so you've talked about like how they're putting him out there for like two minute shifts with an empty net and like helping pad his stats a little bit. Maybe, maybe so, whatever. I don't really care about that. But what's interesting, and this is sent in by a listener named Caleb, Ted Leonsis, who's the owner of the, of the team, spoke. Leonisis. Leonisis? <clears throat> it's Leonsis. And he no, it's said. Not. L-E-O-N-S-I-S. You're thinking about the Spartan King. And Didn't so, he kick that guy into the pit? So this is Washington? I'm confused. Yeah. Um, but but he said that he won't rebuild. No matter what's happening, he's not going to rebuild while Ovechkin chases the goals record. What do you think about that? Well, he has to say that because Ovi just said before that, if you're going to rebuild, you can trade me. So, yeah. So th- this year is him not rebuilding. Last year was him not rebuilding. Great. They're, they're doing said, fantastic. The quote, I'm sure there'll be an influx of some young players, but we're not going to rebuild the team. To me, a rebuild is when you look the players, the coaches, the fans in the eye and say, we're going to be really, really bad. And if we were really, really bad, I don't think Alex would break the record. So, yeah, you're probably right. He's like, I don't want to be so bad that he doesn't want to be here. So, Well, because this is a big year for them. They are they are getting so much money off of the books. They're losing on the back end. Orlov, Jensen, Van Riemsdyk, Gustafsson, Irwin. Up front, they're losing Sonny Milano. Abe Kubel, Johansson, Shiri, Hathaway, Strom, Eller. That's a lot of money. That's almost $20 million, if not more, they're losing off the books. So they could totally go into a rebuild, but it's hard to do a rebuild when you got Ovi, Kuznetskov, Ochi, Mantha, Carlson, Wilson, all signed long-term making big money. Backstrom as well. Like these guys are all locked in for a long-term making a lot of money. Darcy Kempfer as well. So... Like what else can they do? They're they're strapped against the cap as it is. He's not going to say, "Yeah, full rebuild." Like how are you going to rebuild? It's like the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, we're going to rebuild right now. Uh, we're going to do the same thing though. We can't do anything. No one's going to take these guys off of our hands. Well, Who's going to want to Kuznetsov making seven point eight for another three years? Nobody is. 
No one. Yeah. They, uh, they, we talked the other day about them winning five games in a row, but they haven't actually really gained any ground because the Rangers won four in a row and Pittsburgh won like five or six straight. So they're kind of still where they are. I think they, they'll probably sneak into that playoff spot, um, when it's all said and done. But yeah, I don't know how excited we need to be about that team. Yarmer Yager, his last eight years, his goal totals every year, 19, 16, 24, 17, 27, 16, and 1. Yager's pretty good goal scorer. I'm just saying. Like that guy knew how to score goals. So Okay, but you're talking about years like 43 through 49. Ovechkin's yeah. 37. Oh, yeah. So and look at like Timu Solani. Didn't he score a bunch of goals? Listen to his last few seasons. I don't think Yager played at 49 in the NHL. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're not we're never one to exaggerate on this show. We're not. So if he was born in 72, 82, he started playing in 92. So he's gonna be 30 in 2002. He's gonna be 40 in 2012. So his 40 year is when I started. So 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45. Not too far off. He's going to do it before he's 40. I, 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 am, am I not allowed to have a different opinion from everybody else? Do we all have to drink the Kool-Aid? Do we all have to be on board with this? It's just fun. And you're just the Debbie Downer. I'm not the Debbie Downer. I'm the Richard Realistic. <laughs> That's well, who I am. Put so, that on a t-shirt. Yeah. And if he makes it fantastic, I'll be, I'll be right there. But I don't think he's going to. Who cares? I hope he gets 397 and beats the record, but I don't think he will. He's 37. He's turning 38 this year. He's not getting any younger. 38 next year, unless he's got a late, late birthday, which I don't think he does. But who cares, right? He was born almost the same birthday as me, September 17th. Look at us. Lots of stuff. like. What were you going to say, Tim, before I cut you off so rudely? I don't remember. I don't remember. All right. One last thing. He took over. The most gold scored since sixteen seventeen. He overtakes Austin Matthews with two hundred seventy five. Big deal? No big deal. Greatest goal scorer in the last what eight years? Pretty neat. Since Matthews just been lighting it up in Ovechkin, nobody talks about him that much other than this goal record. But he's the guy. He's the greatest goal scorer ever to play the game. I say that every time we talk about this trash. No one gives me any credit for that. They just say, "Ah, you're an idiot." I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's gonna. Uh, is it? I don't think he's going to break the all-time goal-scoring record in the NHL. That's not a bad thing. He's still a terrific hockey player. Wayne Gretzky is the great one for a reason. What's Ovechkin's nickname? The Great Eight. Yeah, Alex. Alex the Great. Kind of cool. What would your nickname be, Tim, if you were in the NHL? Uh, hmm. depends on like what kind of player I'd be. You know, what was yours? Did you ever have one? Big John. Big, yeah. 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 You did you have never thought about this? My did you have did you have a nickname and like Yeah, in college. Or, yeah. They they called me Snip. Um because like the very first um tryout or, or scrimmage for club hockey, I scored a goal and they and snipe snip. That's just what they called it. And you would just stuck. get cut right away. That's what I thought they were gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Here comes Snip, not making it past that first cut. Are you snip? <laughs> and then snip my laces. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about friend of the show, Ryan Reeves, making an impact in Minnesota. Got trade earlier this month 
for a fifth rounder. I'd hate to make it about me, but I got traded for a fifth rounder to New York. He gets traded from New York to the Minnesota Wild for a fifth rounder. Strange trade. Minnesota has plenty of toughness in my eyes. They got Greenway. They got Felino. They got some Middleton on the back end. They got a they got a heavy team as it is. They wanted more. They go out and they get Ryan Reeves. And oh, is he making his impact felt? He played the Detroit Red Wings last night and he was just destroying guys all over the ice. There's a few questions I want to talk about here. First, the hit on Ronick. Gonna nail it? Ronick? Ronick. Is it Ronick? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know either. But anyways, I think it is. The, if you haven't watched this hit, everybody, go and watch it because it's just incredible. There's a lot of times where I watch games and I go, oh, that's a good player. Oh, it's a bad play. There's a few times I'm like, what is this guy thinking? This was a perfect example of what the hell are you thinking, Ronick? He's skating up the ice in the middle of the ice in his D zone. There's a Minnesota Wild guy that kind of does a flyby and he, he checks him. But then what is he looking at? He's just looking off into the stands. And Reeves sees this. He does a little loop around. He goes to force the puck carrier. Ronick doesn't, does he not notice the massive man that's coming out of? And Ryan Reeves said this. Which which shocked me. He said, honestly, he locked eyes with me, which I don't believe because he was looking in the stance. But he says he locked eyes with me like I saw him look at me and then he just kind of turned his head and held on to the puck. I hope he's OK, but you got to know when I'm on the ice and definitely don't skate at me like that. That's what it looked like. He looked like he was sacrificing himself to Ryan Reeves. He's like, I'm going to do this. I love you, Ryan. And then Ryan just buries him. Absolutely crushes him. One of the hardest hits I've ever seen. And Reevesy wasn't even Reevesy, Revo, Ryan. He wasn't even moving that fast. It reminded me, I hate to make it about myself. I nailed Grabowski the same way, where I'm just gliding into him. And they like he buries Ronick. Chronic. It was beautiful hit. Perfectly clean. Perfectly clean hit. Then he fights Ben Sherratt, Chariot later on that game. And just it was a nothing fight, but everybody thought this is what I like Ryan Reeves. Friend of the show, multi-time friend of the show. Don't don't point at your muscle. I don't I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that. You didn't even hit him with you didn't connect with the punch. Sherratt didn't want to be there. <clears throat> he's he's diving into you and you hit him on the head helmet once and you point to your muscle, but whatever. What did you think of the whole the whole situation? Because I have another question after this. I want to hear your answer. I love the hit. Uh clean. I would say it's clean. I, you could see there was definitely a contact to the head, and he even go, he grabs his head right away. You watch the clip, and he, he's definitely shaken up. But Reeves does everything right here. I mean, he's gliding. He turned. He did. There's no strides happening. He doesn't lift his elbow. He doesn't jump into it. He just straight drops his shoulder and levels him out. It's exactly what he's supposed to do. That's what he get paid to do. And so, yeah, no, I loved it. I loved it. Me too. Here's my question. Ben Sherratt, like I said, had to answer for that hit. Detroit has no toughness whatsoever. They've been like this for years. It's funny how they worked as a team. They win multiple Stanley Cups with toughness on their teams. We got Darren McCarty. You got Kirk Malpe. Not that he's tough. Chris Draper. Tons of sandpaper on your team. Toughness. Win all those Stanley Cups. Ken Holland comes in, changes the whole dynamic, brings in all these flitty flighty Europeans, not tough at all. Not that Europeans aren't tough. There are some tough guys that I fought along the way, but for the most part, they're, you know, not tough. And now they just lose. Like, why not get toughness? You have all these good young players. If you're the Detroit Red Wings, 
you got Mo Sider, you got Lucas Raymond, you got a lot of other young guys that I'm not thinking of right now. Why not get some toughness? So if something like this does happen, you don't have to have Ben Sherratt, who you brought in to pair alongside Mo Sider. I think he makes five schmel. These guys make it a lot of money. Do you want him going up and challenging the toughest guy in the NHL to a fight, potentially getting injured, and then him having to settle for five minutes? I think he got an instigator as well. What's the point of that? So why not bring bring in somebody? Bring it. You got Solder Bloom. You got a lot of good young players that could get injured by Ryan Reese flying around. And I tell you what, if if there's another tough guy, maybe Revo doesn't fly around as much. Or at least if he does get into a fight, he's fighting another tough guy and not your highest paid defenseman. Am I, am I off base? Do we need a tough guy for Detroit to protect these young kids? Your investment? Yeah, probably. Not just the young kids, but you've got a, a couple of guys on that team that are really going to agitate the opposing players, opposing players on certain nights, like a Perron, like a cop. They're really good at getting under the skin of those guys, but they're probably not going to fight. And if they do fight, it's not going to be anyone big and heavy. So, yeah, you probably do need someone to protect those guys and and hold other players accountable but there's not that many guys in the league that can do it anymore it's not like it's not like every team in the league is going to have a player there's not many guys like reeves but even uh i don't know some of them have a name delorier and and mcdermott there's not them there's not 32 of them anymore so they're not no, all gonna there's have probably like 10 but just have somebody who can hold their own you know what i mean a sacrificial lamb like we talked about chronic just a guy who can okay reeves is getting out of hand I'm going to fight him. It's going to be me and not the defenseman you brought in to, you know, be a stay at home, tough, physical defenseman. You don't want him fighting, you know, go get like a, like a Luke Shen. You know what I mean? Something like that. Uh, he'll stand in there. He'll get punched in the face, but he's not going to cost you anything. If he gets hurt, it's like, all right, you did your job. Moving on Tim, Gary Bevin, or should we do DoorDash? What do you want to do? <laughs> I'm a little hungry. You know what you should do? What should I do? You should use DoorDash, Tim, because we know you're not making anything. Right. You don't cook anymore. You, your back hurts. Get out of bed. You're not feeling good. You don't want to go into the kitchen and you know preheat the oven and this and that. Use DoorDash. It's fantastic. It'll get you whatever you want. It'll bring you some medicine, Tim, for your achy back. You're probably a big medicine guy. You get a little bit of a sniffles. You're just down in pills, chugging syrup. Just you don't want to feel bad at all. And he gets it from DoorDash and you can too. Tim saves a ton of money on all his drugs and food because he gets everything on DoorDash. You get 25% off. You get free delivery. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You can be just like Tim. If you use our promo code GlovesDDUS, if you're in the US of A or just GlovesDD, if you're in Canada, Tim uses them. It's great. You should too. DoorDash gets you whatever you want, however you want it, when you want it. It's a beautiful company. It's it's a match made in heaven, isn't it, DoorDash and you, Tim? Yeah, that's where I get all my drugs, like you said. So, how many drugs do you take a week? Do you think, on average, per pound? Do you, do you count uh, vitamins and supplements? Yeah. Well, those are just wasted. Like they don't even do anything. That you might as well just burn your money. Those things don't do a thing. But yeah, we yeah, can my, count those. My doctor said the same thing. So yeah, you're probably right. Well, because the doctor gets money from the vitamin companies. Obviously, he's gonna yeah take this vitamin as he cashes a check from whatever stupid vitamin you're taking. Yeah, the local, your local family practice doctor is not getting any money from you buying a daily multivitamin. Oh, they that's definitely not, do. That's not how it works. I buy it works, like the gummy ones. They it works great. the same thing here in engineering where we'll have someone come in like, hey, spec us. Let's you know do business. And we spec certain things. So you in the engineering are in line with the drug companies? 
No, but like HVAC companies are this and that yeah. exhaust fans, whatever it is. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. You don't know. You just keep your rose colored glasses on. You'll be fine. Just yeah. Continue Life's to be high as a guy. Yeah. It ain't hard. It ain't hard. You know what is hard? The cap. Gary Bettman was waxing poetically earlier this year. Oh, the cap's going to raise $5 million, Tim. It's going to go up. The year after that, it's going to be $7 million. The year after that, it's going to be $10 million. We're going to be at $90 million before you know it. It's going to be fantastic. We got all this money, Tim. It's coming out of everywhere. We're coming out of COVID. Things are growing. Things are looking great. We got a big new TV deal. Oh, it's fantastic. We're on ESPN Plus. Did you know that? ESPN Plus? It's great. We got ads on the boards. We got ads on the helmet. We got a brand new expansion team, Seattle. They gave everybody tons of money. We have so much money, Tim. The cap's going to go insane. Owners, get ready. You're going to go on a signing bonanza. Get ready, players. You're going to have so much money in your pocket, you're not going to know what to do with. Gary Bettman was just living life. It was like, what was it, four months ago, I think he was projecting all that trash. Was that it? Yeah, I don't remember it quite the way, same way you do, but yeah, a few months ago. Who said that was completely BS? Do you remember who said that? You've been saying that since day one. Yeah, because Bettman's the biggest snake rat slimy lawyer douche we've ever had he's the worst he's the absolute worst and here's the fruits of his labor the cap's raising by one million dollars next year potentially one are you kidding me one million dollars is that even matching inflation no that's that's the funny thing when all this is said and done Inflation is raising. I don't. I'm not an accountant, but I guarantee you, if the NHL were to keep up with inflation, cost of living, cost of things, this and that, how much teams pay, how much players play, you would have to increase the cap by six million, seven million dollars, right? Because I think the inflation now is at six or seven, eight percent or whatever it is. So maybe it's only four or five million. But yeah, the players are losing money. Like it's insane to me. People are upset, rightfully so. But I, the players agreed to this deal. What are you going to do? The the owners held them over a barrel during COVID in the last arbitration meeting and said, hey, do you want to play hockey or not? We're, we're just as happy to do neither. We don't care. And the players gave them everything they wanted. They said, we'll pay you back all of the losses from the COVID lockouts, all of the losses for when we went into the bubble where we didn't have fans where we didn't have gates, where we didn't have concessions, where we didn't have parking. We didn't have any money coming into the system. But we'll pay you salaries. But guess what? You're going to have to pay us back all the money that we lost. The players said, oh, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Stupidest deal I've ever seen. So now, remember the big debt that the players thought that was going to get paid off after this year? They still owe $70 million, Tim. $70 million. And I saw some people, well, just why don't you just buck up and pay it right now? All the players, you know, just take, take an extra slice off the top and pay them that money. It's not, no, it doesn't work that way. You have to average this out for 10 years because you're not going to saddle the bet with one player who then retires in his last year of his contract. He only gets 30% of what he makes. So it's just, it, it's not that cut and dry. And you have to account for next year the league is going to lose money again. It's not like the league's flush with money this year and they're making money. There's a reason players pay escrow every single year. It's because the league loses money. So the league, the players have to pay escrow 
to pay off the loss for this year. And then they have to pay more to pay off the losses during the COVID lockout. So the players are just, they're hemorrhaging money at this point. I know they're rich. They're one percenters just in that. But for a guy making league minimum, just say he's making 800,000, 855,000. He's only going home with 200 some thousand dollars. I guess I would guess, which is a lot. But for a kid playing in the NHL for three, four years, this is his dream, and he's only going to walk away with six, seven hundred thousand dollars, and that's it. Then what do I do with my life? It's not that much money. So why is this happening, Tim? What's going on? Do you know? I don't. This is the one area where a lot of the stuff is over my head, especially when we get into escrow. And it makes sense when you explain it, but no one talks about it until a problem comes up or like this time of year. And then these meetings come out and guys like Frank and other people are reporting on it. And you're like, oh, right, that whole thing. And then the players, I mean, is this like any situation you saw when you were in those meetings or is it way worse? Well, it, the COVID definitely amplifies it. That that injected a lot of money into the system that the players had to owe. But just taking that out of out of the equation, you have a team. You have 31 teams in the NHL. <clears throat> They're all expected to make money. I would say... 20% make money. That's it. The other 80% either break even or they lose money. There's not a lot of teams that are profitable. When you throw into the equation that one team is playing in front of 5,000 fans, that's, you, you're not making money in that situation. You throw into the equation, another team is playing in Florida. They are selling less tickets than the Arizona Coyotes are, the Florida Panthers at this point in the season. You're not making a lot of money. Carolina's not making money. Dallas isn't making money. All of these teams, San Jose is not making money. Anaheim. Things were good in the NHL when those teams were Stanley Cup contenders, and then they were making a little bit of money. Anaheim sucks. San Jose sucks. LA is not playing where they should. They're, they're not playing great. Dallas is not a hockey market. Carolina is not a great hockey market. Florida is not winning. Tampa Bay, maybe they have a little bit of, you know, hangover from so many Stanley Cups in a row. They're not making money from the teams in the South. So for the players to have any chance of not paying a ton of money in escrow this year, I don't know who tweeted it out, but it's definitely true. We we talked about it as players. We're like, gosh, I hope Toronto has a good playoff run. I hope Austin has a good playoff run. I hope Calgary and Edmonton and these teams have massive playoff runs because that's where the money comes from. An average ticket price for a Stanley Cup game in Dallas for a good seat, it's like 200 bucks, $250 versus a prime seat in Toronto is going to go $5,000 for a Stanley Cup game. You know what I mean? It's vastly different. And all that money gets rolled up into the HRR, hockey-related revenue. So you want the higher, the bigger teams to do well. Versus the teams in the South, Tampa Bay making the Stanley Cup finals, Dallas making the Stanley Cup finals does nothing for the players. It puts no money in their pocket at all. You want a Stanley Cup finals right now of Edmonton and Toronto. You're making a ton of money. New York versus Susan, other Western Calgary. Big market teams, every team in Canada you want to go far. The fact that Ottawa's doing not great, Montreal's kind of skidding, that's not good for the NHL right now. So, stupid Gary Batman. The owners are happy. The owners are ecstatic right now. So they go, okay, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm making a ton of money, hand over fist. I'm expecting to pay money in the next season. The cap's going to raise, and I go, oh, great. 
Then he puts Arizona in a 5,000 seat arena. He's like, oh, fantastic. We're going to lose a ton of money. So when it all balances out, Toronto's making 800 million. Arizona's losing 400 million. Oh, and then you got Florida. They're losing a couple hundred million. So all those dumpy teams in the South, they balance out Toronto. And it's not like Toronto's going to give Arizona a couple hundred schmill. That's not what's happening. Arizona makes up their money because the players give them money. Toronto walks away with a with a Brinks truck full of money. That's how it works. So those owners love it. Jeremy Jacobs loves it. He's like, oh, you want to put a team in New Mexico? I love that idea. Love it. Fantastic. You want just a backyard rink? It's great. Because he's he knows he's not going to put money in the system because the salary cap's not going to raise. So he's still going to make his money. The players are going to make up for the just terrible decision-making of Gary Bettman. And the only person that hurts is the players. And the cap doesn't rise. So it's so dumb. You look at basketball. They're, I know they get more money based on TV and sponsorships just because they're more marketable. Basketball, LeBron, Duncan, that's fun. They're not any more popular than hockey is they that's where we used to gauge our success because baseball's a juggernaut football's an absolute just monster you can't compete with them we would kind of gauge basketball a little bit try to keep up with them basketball's taken off hockey is getting less popular so is he growing the game is he really growing the game hockey is getting less popular year on year whereas basketball's taken off he's doing it like this is a family friendly show, so I can't get it. He's doing a bad job. He's a bad, bad, bad commissioner. But the owners love him because the owners are making money. He's not growing the game. He's not putting any money into the system. The cap should be a hundred million right now. There will be a time very soon in the future when one player in the NBA per year is making more than an entire NHL team. You mark my words. I think LeBron makes 40 million right now. Does he not? Something like that. Give yeah, it five years. Know. Give it five yeah. years. Five to ten years. One player will be making like eighty million dollars. Stupid. And then yeah, it's it's a it's a complete joke. Sorry. Complete. I I hate this stuff. Gary Bettman. He's a the biggest. He was the biggest reason why the NHL hasn't grown in the last twenty years. But the owners love him. It's funny. I'm reminded of that tweet from earlier this year where the Hurricanes beat us, beat the Bruins, and they kind of roasted him in the tweet. And Marshawn responded with, you're still the reason we pay 20 percent in escrow. And that's the stuff that people don't like. So someone's going to listen to this show and be like, "Okay, John Scott doesn't know what he's talking about. The league doesn't lose money. They're doing great. But there's it's way more nuanced than that. And it's it's like, okay, maybe the league loses money in the short term but they make up for it by taking it out of the players pockets and so in the at the end they come out on top but the as a business they're not profitable for certain years at a time so that's kind of how we is that fair to say that a if good they summary? if they did not lose money there would be no escrow right the definition of the escrow the reason it was put in was to make the owners whole they said they lost money that's what they contend And so in order for them to make up for their investments, which they say, and they doubled down and said, we're going to grow the game. So we want to, you know, we have to put money into the system, into the local area. We're going to start, you know, grassroots stuff in Arizona. We're going to start grassroots, you know, hockey programs. They haven't done anything, but that that's why they needed to be made whole. That was the whole idea of escrow. We have to be a part of that. And so we, we signed off on it. It was a worst decision to ever agree to an escrow with no cap. We had the option of having a a cap on escrow. 
Thank you, Trevor Linden, you idiot. He said, no, hockey's going to grow. We should fight for something else. You know, let's let's go for this. Do something else. No cap on escrow. We'll be fine. Next thing you know, we're, we're staring at a 20% escrow and they're asking for more. It's insane. Absolutely insane. But no, yeah, they lose money every single season in the NHL. That's what they say. And Gary does it on purpose. So the larger owners can walk away with money in their pocket. The Craig Leopolds, the Jeremy, J- Jeremy Jacobs, the Toronto Maple Leafs, whatever it is, the sports entertainment, whatever it is. Yeah, it's they're making a ton of money. So yes, girl, good for them. <laughs> Batman, he's such a douche. Honestly, I really he's doing his job. He's doing a job. All right, let's do some quick hits. I'll let you want me to see my head explode here. <laughs> yeah, uh, keeping up on keeping tabs on friend of the show, Kirby Doc, got his 20th point the other night. He's got a career high. Uh, sorry, his career high is 26 in 70 games last season. He's got 20 points in 29 this year. So really seeing a nice breakout season for him. And he keeps rolling on that top line for the for the Habs. Another crazy thing, the Ducks now, we talked about this a little bit last week. They played 30 games even. They have one, they finally got one, one regulation win. They're on pace for 46 points when there are teams that are, that are going to win 50 games. Uh, they are minus 60 goal differential. So if you do the math, 30 games, they're averaging a t- losing by two goals a game every single night, which is just crazy. They're 32nd in goals for, 32nd in goals against, and they've <laughs> had the lead for just 11.2% of all the minutes that they've played. It's. We talked about the, the Coyotes last year and how bad they were. The Ducks might be worse. I don't remember having these types of stats for the Yotes last year. Well, I don't know what's going on. And then think about a guy like Klingberg, who signed a one-year deal, a bet on himself, trying to get a bridge contract, work himself into a better deal after he couldn't sign with uh, with Dallas. And he, he signed with the worst team in the league. He's not doing anything. It's a bummer. They've played 1,800 minutes regulation time. I know they played some overtime. They've had the lead for only 200 minutes. <laughs> it's imagine being on that team. It would be so depressing. They suck. They're a bad team. What do you, and they, people expected more, you know, they, they had a good year last year. Pat for beak. I thought had this team at least turned in the right direction. Didn't you? They were making all the right moves. They weren't giving into players contract demands. They were making hard decisions, letting people go. This is their, <sighs> What happened? What happened to the Ryan Stroms, the Troy Terry, the Trevor Zegras, all these players, the the young, good, exciting defensemen? It, it's where's Isaac Lundstrom when you need him? He's he's hurt. That that that's a big reason why they're not succeeding. But boy, oh boy, it ain't looking good for the Anaheim Ducks, Tim. Good for them. They're really dumping it up. One regulation win in thirty games. Oof, that's it's that's that's hard to do. <laughs> It was all flash and no substance, apparently. Like some pretty cool goals and some flashy highlight reel stuff from guys like Terry and Zegers. And then and you had Milano last year. And then just, mm, there's, it, <laughs> there's no substance to it. There's nothing there. You peel off they, the first layer and it's empty. They just keep trying to flip it over the net. It's like, you guys, <laughs> <laughs> stop. <laughs> we got to win again. Everyone loved us when we did it last year. Let's keep trying. got to go viral again. I need it. All right. One more. The captain of the Vancouver Canucks, Bo Horvat, finally issued a statement based on his future with the team. What did he say, Tim? Yeah. So all this trade rumors swirling and stuff and asking if he was going to ask for a trade. So he just kind of 
put it out there. He said, I am focused on this season and playing for the Vancouver Canucks, helping the team in any way I can. I will not have any further comments this year about my future. What's uh, what's the between the lines there, John? Is there anything we can take out of that? Well, what do you think? He's he's not coming back. Yeah, he's gone. Unless, well, what do you, do you think even if they do have the room, just say they do get rid of Brock Besser, just say they knew they do maybe offload an Oliver Ekman Larson they find a trade partner for him that he's happy to go to and they free up some cap space. If you're Bo Horvat, do you want to come back to this team? They made a priority of signing front of the show, JT Miller, when they could have been negotiating with me, they put all their eggs in that basket. So just say they do find somebody and they say, Hey, Bo, we'll give you eight, eight years. Same as JT. What do you, eight years, 8 million. Are you in? What do you think he's going to say? Well, this is the the human element of it because you know he loves the city, and then it's like you think about his wife and his kids, and he's like, if I can make, if I can come out of this being making fifty million dollars over the course of a contract while being in a place where my family loves, like, I'll do it. You know what I mean? And so, from a hockey reason, no, this is not a team that's going to be. You want to you know, hit your wagon too when you can go be, uh, you know, wear an A on a, on a really good team, play for a Stanley Cup every year. But from a a human being perspective, maybe. Maybe we've seen a lot of guys sign with bad team and you, and you kind of wonder why. And it's, it's the personal reason. So I, I don't know. I'm not in his head. Maybe. Uh, is that, what do you think? I think he's gone. I think he's absolutely gone. Even if they do find money for him, I would be, I don't know. You know, you got Pedersen, you got Garland, you got Miller, you got Mikheyev. Yeah. It's, it's not a bad team, but they got no defense. If I'm him, I'm going to make money somewhere, go make it somewhere else and have a potential to win. Cause right now I think we know who the Vancouver Canucks are, right? We know, we know who they are. They're a bad defensive team who can score some goals, although they did beat Calgary last night in a shootout. So they are showing some signs of life. They're playing better. It's amazing how teams year after year after year, even they just they do the same thing. Vancouver has been terrible to start the season in the last three years. You think they would really buckle down and say, hey, guys, we really need to start out better this year. No, just terrible again. It's just, And then they finally find their game and they just, oh, well, something clicked. We'll be better next year. No, you're going to still be bad. It's amazing. That's that's going to happen. They're going to be they'll probably win like 13 of their last 20 games and they'll just miss the playoffs. And everyone will be like, OK, we finally got something. We're going to start it off next year and then they'll do the same thing. Yeah, it's. And they could still make the playoffs as, as crazy as it is, as bad as their start, they're seven and three in their last 10. They're six points behind LA for that third and final Western conference playoff spot, or sorry, the wild card. They're even closer. They're five behind Edmonton and they have a couple games in hand on LA. So it, it they'll make it in. They'll lose in the first round. They go, gosh, like, uh, if only they're, they're so bad at defense. They give up a ton of goals, but they also score a ton. They're just such a, they're a fun team to watch. If, if you want to go watch an entertaining hockey game, just go watch the Vancouver Canucks. You're going to see goals regardless of who's scoring them. They can't keep them out of their net, but they can score a ton. So I don't know, but I don't think Bo Horvat signs. I think Vancouver does sneak into the playoffs and they just ruin their chance to rebuild anything. So all that being said, thank you everybody for joining us. We think we've got a pretty fancy interview tomorrow. Tomorrow, Don't we? Tim? We can't say who. Not yet. We can. Josh Morrissey from the uh, yeah. Winnipeg Jets. That'll pretty, be fun. Pretty high-end guy. He's kind of working. He doesn't know if he has a day off. That's the issue. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully he does. 
But we'll let you, you guys will find out tomorrow whether it's a Josh Morrissey interview or just Tim and I arguing about his indecisiveness. So either way, it's going to be great. Right, Tim? Yes, it'll be fun. I hope he comes on. If you would have been paying attention, you would have said, maybe, I don't know. It'll be nice. Yeah, I don't know. Because you would have played into the indecisiveness angle. That's how connected we are. We're just like frick and... Finish each other's... Sandwiches. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.